Hi guys and welcome to the Sweet Spot on a Farm episode 52. Um, I have a feeling that I might have to rename this podcast because today's yet again I'm not on a farm but I'll go into it in a minute. Um, if this is your first episode and you have no idea what to expect this is a podcast about health and food and it's my search for an answer to how can we achieve a healthy body and mind with the resources that are available to us locally? And I'm looking at what we can do to improve our health and what and how we eat to support it. I bring in some interesting guests who have a lot of valuable information to share and who can provide us with the tools we need to lead a healthy, happy lifestyle that is personal to each and every one of us. I talk to natural health and fitness professionals, organic farmers, food producers, therapists and anyone whose business and life mission it is to keep the rest of us healthy. I ask them about their work, their passions and their lifestyles and I wonder what they like to eat. And we share cooking tips and plant-based recipes we can all easily make at home. Now today I'm in Bangor and I'm, I'm talking to the person who's responsible for my love of cold water and open water swimming because he got me started over two years ago and this is where I interviewed Scott Riley of Causeway Living back in February 2018 for episode 11 of this podcast and Scott is the very person I'm talking to today. Hello. Hey Susanna, I can't believe it was that long ago that uh, yeah. we did our first podcast but here we are, back in the same place and doing it all over again. I'm looking forward to this one. <laughs> February 2018, and I could not see myself ever <laughs> stepping in my, not even wetsuit, my swimming suit, um, into a cold water in the middle of winter, because winter, what kind of nutcase does that? Um, turns out that I do. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember that. I lasted about 10 seconds when you got me to go with you and dash and splash. You did it. <laughs> I know. And now I swim in for like half an hour, <laughs> a few times a week. Um, it's totally bizarre, but um, dash and splash has come a long way since. And so did Causeway Live In, although we get to it in a minute because things obviously have changed for everybody. Um. But um, we're going to sort of improvise today because I didn't really prepare anything because I wasn't quite sure what to expect. And today you kind of showed me a little tester of what you're going to be doing with your coaching. Um, and yeah, it was, I have no, what, what the hell did just happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that was uh, a really good setup for the podcast, I think, you know, like to... Um, to go through that experience together it always is um like a really deep practice and something that you know i've been going through with help as well um breath work on a deeper level than standard practices of like wim hof method um but really just using it for the purpose of like bypassing the analytical thinking mind and then the real main part of the session is getting in touch with what your body has to communicate to you in a really physical way. And it's just been so transformative for me to take some quiet time and listen in to like what I'm experiencing physically. And it's just been fascinating to see what that leads to like emotionally and intellectually and then taking 
whatever that communication is and the, probably the most important part is trying to then integrate that into my daily life so like have a, a realization about something but th that's kind of pointless unless I take that realization and then actually like implement it um, on a regular basis so uh, yeah it was really cool to go through that with you and I feel like specifically some of the stuff that we came up with around appreciation and gratitude mm -hmm. like that integrated into daily life mm -hmm. is is literally life-changing so i'm excited to, to see how this plays out <laughs> well we should probably describe what we did because people have probably no idea what we're talking about <laughs> um so it was sort of like a meditation practice that started off with the wim hof method breathing but it was slightly different to what we would normal or what I would do as my daily practice um so could you just describe the process yeah for sure um so I would take different people through different types of breath work depending on how experienced they are um this specific kind of breath work really isn't massively important for this practice other than to achieve the end goal of getting into the right state. So the state that I want to get people to is with breath work and breathing. The breathing and your breathing and the nervous system are completely tied to each other in a, in a way where one affects the other and vice versa. So with the practice that we just did, uh, we started similarly to like a Wim Hof method breathing practice where we're taking a series of um, deep breaths, but then increasing the speed of it and progressing that up. And instead of a long breath hold on the exhale, like the regular Wim Hof method breathing practice, we were doing a big deep breath in, hold in, and a series of muscle contractions to get even deeper into initially the sympathetic nervous system, which for anyone listening to this would might be easier to think of as like the fight or flight state so you actually build up a small amount of stress through a specific breathing practice and then you go into a long breath hold on the exhale and the purpose specifically really of the the first part is in loading up some sympathetic fight or flight stress um, you're then bypassing the thinking mind because the fight or flight response is connected to a really old part of the brain and those old part of the old parts of the brain get priority access so because you're loading up stress in that fight or flight state um, you get into that older part of the brain and you're bypassing like the newest part of the brain in terms of evolution the analytical thinking mind and really what all I'm trying to do with the breath work is get people past the analytical thinking mind to um, this place of feeling and then from there after the breath work session really all my job is is to keep the individual who's going through the session focused on what they're feeling physically initially and from there um, those physical sensations for every person it's completely different for some people it can lead to like an emotional response for other people it can lead to a memory of when they felt that physical sensation in the past 
it sounds really um it sounds like one of those things that would be easy to listen to and feel like oh i'm not sure that i would feel that or it seems like the sort of thing that might require like faith or a belief in but it's just a really simple physiological process of like just connecting to to what you're feeling and i'm yet to have ever been part of a session whether i'm doing the session or providing a session for someone else that um, something really impactful didn't come out of physically and leading on to then the more important part of whether it's like emotionally or in a memory or something that comes up that they can then go on and and integrate into their life yeah i i have to say it's it was just such a strange experience i'm the kind of person who likes to be constantly in control of everything (laughs) around me and within me and yet it almost felt like I don't know I never had mushrooms but it sort of felt like that's what it would feel like if you were on drugs like mushrooms only you're actually in control um yeah that's that is a very accurate way of describing this kind of work really all I'm trying to do is provide the kind of space that is available whenever people take particularly uh, like psychedelic drugs like you mentioned there psilocybin people get from mushrooms or um, access through ayahuasca and DMT they are incredibly healing in the right circumstances and taken in the right setting with the right people and can be extremely therapeutic and there's all these studies that are being done mainly over at john hopkins university big medical research one over in america um, about the therapeutic use of psychedelics however i don't think that psychedelics themselves are necessary to get to the sort of space where that healing happens And I feel like through breathing and a bit of guidance, you can get to a similar kind of space where the therapeutic part actually happens without having to take an an exogenous like substance. You can do it all endogenously just by by breathing. And uh, it's pretty trippy actually, like the the whole way this has come to be. Um, And one of the first sessions that I provided for somebody else doing this kind of work I was reminded of a bunch of stuff that the shaman that I went to see in South America had said to me. And I guess for anyone who's listening to this and doesn't know, like a big part of my personal healing journey was going to South America to be treated by the plant medicines there. And the plant medicines, ayahuasca, huachuma, bobinsana, all have a strong psychoactive compound in them. Uh, which means they're only legal there because it's part of their culture and and heritage. So I was treated by the uh, the shaman there and those plant medicines. And uh, one of the ways he described those medicines was as a a bridge. And I had no idea what that meant at the time. (laughs) It sounded like some new agey thing that I didn't really understand. But, you know, having been through what I've been through in the years since, it made sense you know he was talking about like 
it's the thing that takes the people to the space where they do the healing it's not necessarily like the plant or the the substance or whatever it is is the thing that's doing the healing it's just the bridge to the space where they heal themselves uh, another thing that the shaman had said to me there was as i was leaving was go and be the medicine in the world which sounded like again like some like new agey mystical thing that you'd just say to someone and be like okay cool that's what some south american shaman said to me but um after i'd done some of this work it like it really made sense it it was the feeling that i could be the bridge instead of someone having to take you know the plant medicine i could help someone guiding them through like a breathing practice and keeping them focused on their feeling in the body and asking you know the right questions for them to get to the space where they would heal themselves in a way that probably feels less completely out of control than than taking a substance and getting to that space and and then being kind of stuck there for a period of time while it's in your system with like a breathing practice and a meditation like very quickly if you wanted to you could sit up and, and be fine but uh yeah it's really cool to be kind of like living what that shaman had asked of me to go back and and be the medicine in the world <laughs> i think it's also quite cool that you can bring this sort of thing to you know wherever because it's quite extreme for somebody to go to south america <laughs> you know not mentioning how expensive it is whereas if it's something that's available you know here locally and you don't have to go through the length of traveling somewhere far and taking substance that as you mentioned you know it's you're less in control and some people like like, like myself i just don't like not being in control um I mean, there's there's um, certainly benefits of letting go, and that's what I'm trying to learn, um, and have been trying to learn for a while. But um, you know, <laughs> I think if if there's an option of taking drugs for it or not taking drugs for it, I always take the drug free route. <laughs> that's something that Wim Hof often says. Like you know, he jokes about getting high on your own supply. <laughs> you know, just yeah. breathing to like get. But I mean, he obviously says it. Um, like flippantly kind of as a joke and it's a good um like turn of phrase to use but it is that same idea like using a method within yourself to get to a state that you could get to you know by using something else like a plant or or something to get you into that same state where the healing happens but uh, you don't have to necessarily and there are other ways of doing it like you said the benefits are you don't have to like fly across the other part of the world even with this sort of work you know it's possible to do with someone locally but it's something that could absolutely be done over like zoom or something as well you know have someone lie down like guide them through the breathing take them through the questions kind of like i'd said about the plants and or, or about me it's not the plants or the the other thing that's doing any of the healing they're just the bridge to the allow the person to get to the space where they can heal themselves and as you experience yourself like things will come up that you know you've completely forgotten about or uh, like memories like when was the last time i ever thought of that or um for example you know interesting that we're talking about it now like one of the first things 
you know, and for anyone listening to this, I did check with Susanna if it was okay to, <laughs> to talk about what was going on in the session. But uh, one of the first things that came up was a memory of, with cold water and uh, being out of control, very out of control, thrown into the deep end and like an experience that was. So it's probably um, no coincidence that we're talking about that now. <laughs> yeah, that was a funny one. I found the sun thing bizarre because I was lying here. Obviously, we've done the breath work and I was lying here with my eyes closed. And I honestly felt it was like lying somewhere outside on the beach or on the grass with, you know, blue sky, full heat, sun fully, you know, bright, shining. It's the kind of thing that you see through your eyelids. You feel the heat. You sort of see the brightness coming through your closed eyelids. That's what I felt. It was pissing down all morning. <laughs> and I asked you, like, is there a sun shining? I don't know why you were laughing. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, like, the... So it's fascinating because, like, these physical sensations, like... For example, when people talk about taking something like um, psilocybin mushrooms or ayahuasca or something, and they talk about like hallucinations, like uh, hypothetically, like that's kind of like a hallucination almost. Like you know, you're experiencing something that's not um, that's not really connected to what's going on in the outside world. It's what's going on in your inner world, and the really fascinating thing about that is that. Um, you know it led to a, a chain of memories so like it led to one memory from one part of your childhood that <clears throat> led to a sequence of other things that ultimately got to you know a really really good memory of being out in the sun and in the summertime and um, yeah it was just such a good session they always seem to end on a really good heartwarming note as well <laughs> which I never like because I never know how it's going to go for an individual as well and everyone's different it's really cool to see that like it just always seems to work out perfectly where um there's normally a very good note to to wrap the session up on and I'm really glad that was the case today as well <laughs> um I can I can totally see that something like this could be used in because essentially it is a form of therapy um, a therapeutic practice yeah. I would always be careful not to like describe myself as a therapist um, but same as like the plant medicine work like you know it's it's therapeutic um, but the special thing about it I feel is the the credit and like the responsibility is given to the person it's not like you know it's not like some guru sitting there like telling you you that like oh, I'm healing you or using my magic hands or something <laughs> to like fix some um, issue it's comes from a place of like my sincere belief too that people do have everything they need inside like people are whole and complete already and they have every answer that they ever need inside themselves sometimes it just takes a bit of time to listen and uh, it's creating a space and an environment through the breath work to get to the right state and through a bit of like gentle encouragement and reminders to like stay with what's going on to allow people's own answers to come up for themselves and 
yeah for through other sessions you're one of the few people that didn't cry at some stage <laughs> oh man i was so close i was so close <laughs> but that's the, that's the kind of part of me that i'm always need to be in control so i'm not gonna cry in front of him <laughs> like very very few people <laughs> don't get to that stage i don't want to put anyone off who's interested in that work because everyone feels better for that afterwards but um yeah <laughs> it's such a healthy thing to to be able to get to that state and um yeah it was just awesome to, to share that with you today because it's a hard thing to like encapsulate in a few words because it's really individual for each person as well like they say that about the the plant medicine work as well specifically with ayahuasca they um say that for every person every end every um every person it's a different experience but for every person every time it's different as well uh and i myself um went through five ayahuasca ceremonies they call it in in peru and three huachuma ceremonies as well every one of them was different but yet they give you the same thing in the cup you drink you know the same as everyone else but it's different from everyone else and it's different every time too and i feel it's like exactly the same as this sort of work so it's cool to be able to just to open up and talk about it and give people more of an idea of what to expect but also that similar to the plant medicine work for this like the really really important part is in the integration and it's all well and good having like some big experience in the moment and having some memory of something that is important but the realization of how it's playing out maybe in your day-to-day -day life and then actually doing something a little bit different in your day-to-day -day life and the awareness of that is what is going to create a positive change i think one of the most beneficial things about this work as well is that we've talked about like things coming up that people didn't remember or didn't realize have going on inside them really all that is is making conscious things that were previously unconscious so it's obviously in there somewhere but it's bringing to like awareness things like patterns and programs people have going on that maybe they didn't realize and once you become aware of them that's when you can actually do something about it and it's just a process just becoming aware doesn't change that instantly but it gives someone the awareness that like whenever hypothetically like a really common thing that comes up and something that i've definitely been through as well is a tendency to deny my own authentic self-expression just to gain acceptance from other people so um ultimately like you know there's different forms of that but people pleasing is an example of that you know you'll do like something to please someone else at the expense or cost of your own well-being and um you know like that's something that could come up for somebody in a session often does has done for me whenever i was going through that kind of work and just because i was aware of it didn't mean it like changed overnight but it meant that like if a situation came up where i had the option to like do the thing for the person at my own expense or actually take a moment to stop and say actually you know what <clears throat> this wouldn't be good for me i'm gonna say no like that's where the change starts to happen and then you do that repetitively over time and then you're just building a, a new program basically that serves you better and uh, that's where 
a one-off session like that's great but having the ongoing support of someone who you can check in with and say hypothetically oh i had this situation during the week and you know had the option to do this thing or that thing and it was really beneficial for me to choose that like that's the really transformative thing with a bit of support and something that i actually didn't get from from whenever i went out to peru um i was very fortunate that you know i did manage to integrate a lot of those lessons but in hindsight it would have been so beneficial to have stayed in contact with someone from the place and you know like talk through things as time went on so it's nice to be offering that in the world where I, I feel like I could have benefited from it before. So is this something that you're now offering um, as part of your coaching? Um, um, is it is it going to be part of your Causeway Academy? Yeah so I've got it up on the website currently as Causeway Coaching and really it's just using tools like this to help people become aware really of their patterns and programs and offer ongoing support with the ones that they choose to change <laughs> so you might have like an awareness of a pattern or program that actually you don't want to change or don't feel ready to change and I think a big part of this work as well is in understanding and having less judgment of yourself for things like people pleasing because say those words and probably a lot of people listening to this will recoil and think oh god this that's that terrible thing that I do but it's not necessarily a, like a terrible thing <clears throat> one thing that I found really helpful was realizing that that tendency was something that probably served me really well in my childhood and I mean there's these two like competing drives that not even just humans but mammals have in general to <clears throat> one either um, express themselves <clears throat> and another one to be accepted and for children whenever those are at odds with each other the acceptance one will always win <clears throat> the um, the need for self-expression will be repressed at the expense for the need for acceptance because for a child for their survival it's more important to be accepted by your parents than just to express yourself and therefore the child learns to repress the behaviors that aren't acceptable to the parent sounds negative but ultimately like it's an essential thing to survive in society because you can't just let a kid do everything that it wants to do to express itself or else you know be like drawing on the walls and like making a mess of the place and like kids have to become enculturated to fit within our culture um but often probably i would imagine like every child at some stage ha like starts to learn that there's certain behaviors that aren't acceptable represses those and that can turn into like people pleasing behavior you know as you grow up um it served really well whenever we were kids but now like into maturity and adulthood running those same patterns oftentimes comes at a cost because you know you're not listening to your own authentic self-expression you're always doing the thing to, to gain acceptance from other people and um, I feel like <clears throat> that's where 
like a lot of physical illness can come from through the the denial of your authentic self-expression and even just looking back on my own personal journey again for anyone listening to this who doesn't know anything about uh, my own background I used to suffer from rheumatoid arthritis and, and be very overweight and I feel like that arthritis condition really was onset by stress but also like living this life where um, you know I was going into a job that I hated every day I was going in and having to not having to but feeling like I had to like put on a face like everything's fine like people ask you hey how is it going just being nice and you don't really want to tell them like miserable I hate this job <laughs> I hate turning up and talking to you people that like I don't really have anything in common with not that there's anything wrong with them and um, yeah I just felt like so inauthentic and it just wasn't a real expression of like me <laughs> and there's kind of no wonder that um, we talked a little bit before the podcast about how your body will communicate to you in varying degrees of noisiness so that might start out as a feeling of generally not being well or tired or lethargic and because at that time of my life I definitely wouldn't have had like a practice like we've just been through where I'm listening to that and actually trying to understand it I would have just felt bad and then as time progressed you'll just continue to feel worse and worse and worse and the symptoms not just being like tiredness but actually like inflammation in the joints until it got to a place where it hit a rock bottom so hard that I had to completely change my life and instead of looking back as the rheumatoid arthritis thing that I'd suffered as being some horrible illness and like judging and blaming my body just my body like just screaming at me like stop you madman stop doing this nonsense job that doesn't mean anything it's not your authentic calling in the world um and like i've got to be grateful for the fact that my body screamed at me to ultimately get to the point where here we are having this conversation and and doing the authentic thing that i feel like it's my soul and my soul to do like just help people get in touch with their authenticity too and it's good <laughs> no I totally understand that because I feel the same I mean I I suffered for years with ulcerative colitis to the point where I actually just did not want to live because of the pain I was going through and now I'm kind of it was over a decade of just pure physical suffering but I'm kind of grateful for that <laughs> I mean if it wasn't for that, I probably wouldn't be living my life the way I do right now. And I think my life is pretty damn awesome right now. <laughs> you know, I've I've learned so many things and I probably wouldn't be eating the way I do. I probably wouldn't be doing all these things I do. Um, and yes, okay, it costs a lot of suffering and, and time and, and effort. And it was a really steep learning curve. But I'm kind of really grateful because who knows what kind of life I would be living if I didn't get that ill if it didn't get to that point and yeah like I the signs were there for years like through my teenage years um I was constantly like six and and th th this kind of cramping which I completely forgotten about it only came up with that session I completely forgot that I used to just wake up sometimes in the middle of the night with like cramps in my calves completely out of nowhere but obviously I was lacking magnesium already and a bunch of other things my body wasn't obviously absorbing 
nutrition from from the food I was eating because I was eating crap all the time and I didn't realize and that was just like some of the little signs that I simply didn't listen to because I didn't know how. That's why I'm really hoping that work like this can help people listen to what their body's trying to tell them before it has to get to the stage of like serious illness. Like I feel like hypothetically you know had I listened to earlier stages of discontent or like feeling unwell in myself I wouldn't have had to have get gotten that sick to have like worked it out um you know like we had in the session there like you'd notice that like cramping sensation in your calves and it brought back a memory of like oh yeah I used to experience this in my teens and just didn't couldn't remember it um you know it could have been early stages of your body trying to communicate that it wasn't happy with something that was going on you know obviously through your journey seem to be connected to diet um however you know if my younger self or your younger self had had access to someone who could have helped them like listen to those feelings and offered a bit of guidance from their own journey you know should that be necessary as well um you or i or the other people out there who are experiencing things like that might never have to get to the stage of like serious physical illness or mental illness to to then force them into a change that um yeah like one of the big intentions that i'd set whenever i was uh, in peru and, and coming home and wanting to help other people was that um if i could help people avoid having to learn the hard lessons that I you know I, I kind of feel like I had to learn the hard lessons so that other people don't have to so I went through <laughs> some pretty tough times with uh, the rheumatoid arthritis but if I can help someone before it gets to that stage and then they can make the changes anyway like that would be a, another big intention fulfilled as well <laughs> but to be perfectly honest if it comes to someone like me I only learn the hard way. <laughs> I can't learn otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand that as well. Like, I mean, I feel like that's maybe also like just part of our culture as well. Like practices like looking inside and an internal practice like that isn't quote unquote normal. You know, like it's a strange thing to go through. Really, really beneficial. But if... A great thing about like talking about it like this and putting it out in a podcast for other people to hear is like it normalizes it <clears throat> and maybe you know the more normal things like this become the less likely that people feel like they have to learn things the hard way that they, there can be a more gentle way of figuring out what your body's trying to tell you without it having to to resort to pain which it probably doesn't really want to do you know but um there is another way there's always another way <laughs> that came up in the session as well <laughs> um oh yeah that's true <laughs> the middle way that you never think of until it's too late yeah no i i do i do feel, I did, this is really like such a strange but definitely beneficial experience yeah and I feel like part of my journey as well over the years is like I went to Peru and had this big transformative experience and came home and felt like a different person and like I said had the intentions that to help other people whenever I came back but didn't really know how to go about doing it and I knew that it, like it wasn't the right thing to like bring specifically like that plant medicine work here and 
uh, like there are people that do that you know on the very much down low that i mean it's not legal thing to do here but uh like ayahuasca experiences are facilitated around europe um it happens and that didn't feel like necessarily the right thing for me even if it's taken me five years to figure out how to um be able to facilitate the same space where people could do their healing just through a different way um i'm really glad that i've found that and i mean it's possible in in a one-to-one situation like that but to like to lesser and varying degrees it's something that is possible through something as simple as like getting into the cold water you know like i already talked about bypassing the thinking mind that happens very much getting into the cold water as well you get into the cold and um, your body does go into that like survival fight or flight type mode which another easier way to explain this is using the example of like crossing the road and it's like oncoming traffic and a car is about to hit you and if you had to use your analytical thinking mind to get out of the way it wouldn't happen fast enough so you realize that the car is about to hit you and if it hits you that wouldn't be good so you need to move your right leg and then move your left leg and by the time you've processed all that you've been hit but like I explained earlier the older parts of your brain the reptilian brain basically takes over and it's connected to that fight or flight response and then in hindsight you might say something like I leaped out of the way without thinking about it that's because your analytical mind didn't think about it but you just moved uh, another example a much less extreme one is like if your phone's about to fall off the table and you just reach out and grab it and that's the same sort of thing like you act without thinking about it with your analytical mind um, the cold water does a similar thing so you go in and you're to the cold water your body's in that like survival mode and all you can do is think about focusing on your breathing because that's initially like your breath's taken away a bit you slow down your breath and all of a sudden you're not thinking about that bill that has to be paid at the end of the month or you know what that guy said to you yesterday that was really annoying you're just there in the present moment and I feel like that's where uh, being present like that's where you're connected to that like intuition where all the good stuff comes from and you can become aware even if it isn't necessarily like of the signs that your body are, are trying to communicate but um, it's certainly getting you a big step closer and it's cool to be able to offer that now like in a, a free way through things like Dash and Splash, which has come back and where I guess we first met as well doing yeah. the first podcast. Mind you, going back to what you said, you can't really be thinking about other stuff when you're going into the cold water. I mean, you can try because <laughs> yeah. I did when I started with my cold showers after my first couple of Dash and Splashes doesn't work because <laughs> you kind of go into the shower thinking about whatever the million things that you need to do and you're thinking thinking and then the cold comes down and you just fuck 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 cold 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 breathe 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 <laughs> and then and it no, nothing else matters it's just everything else goes like what was i thinking about before because <laughs> it doesn't matter <laughs> it's funny i heard like once the wim hof method described as mindfulness as an extreme sport <laughs> so it's like you're forced into that mindful space in the present um cold showers are really good for that getting into the sea and uh, I guess if there is anyone locally listening to this and wanting to get into the sea for the first time and 
feeling stressed about it, don't really know how to go about it. Um, I brought back Dash and Splash last week as <clears throat> as of the time that we're recording this. How did that go? Yeah, awesome. So yeah. good. Um, it used to be an event that was really structured. And again, for the benefit of anyone listening who doesn't know anything about Dash and Splash or um, wasn't aware of it at the time I was doing it, um, I would have got a group of people gathered at Picky Fun Park in Bangor where um, they would be in their running gear. They would have all their swim stuff in a backpack or something. They would all be locked up in a beach hut at Picky Park. Uh, would go for a 30 minute walk or run. So it's just 15 minutes out along the coast, turn around and come back again so that it was doable for any ability level. So really, I mean, you could just have a small dander and the next person could be going for a sprint. Um, but as long as they went out 15 minutes, turned and came back again, they'd all be at the same place at the same time after half an hour, which is back to collect the bags. We'd then walk down to the little beach, which is two minutes past Picky Fun Park, and then all get into the water together after a bit of focused breathing. Um, generally, then people would hang out and have teas and coffees and stuff afterwards, which is great. But uh, nowadays, we can't really do the mass gathering thing anymore. So putting all the bags in one place isn't doable. Um, having everyone go into the water at the same time isn't really doable. So the new format is um, putting more personal responsibility back on the individual. And there's a set time for the event to start, which is always around the high tide. Then I encourage anyone who isn't interested in doing a walk or a run just to get into the sea then and anyone who does want to go for a walk or a run, they go and do that, which takes 30, 40 minutes or whatever. And then as the first group are getting out of the water, then the next group are kind of getting in as well. But even though it puts more personal responsibility back on the individual, it still creates a safe environment. If you're wanting to get into the sea for the first time, knowing like, say the start time was at 1 p.m. like it is this Sunday coming and you'd never done anything like this before you maybe listen to this podcast and think I need to give the cold water thing a go um, you turn up there at 1 p.m. and you know that for the next half an hour there's going to be like loads of different people getting in and out of the water they're super friendly people they'll probably talk to you if you're nervous you know like you probably won't have to make much of an effort to like have a conversation with someone there and uh, especially if you speak up and say oh it's my first time they'll tell you the whole thing about just focusing on slowing down your breathing getting into the water and generally you'll have a, an awesome time so that was really really good to see that everyone was able to manage it okay without like as much structure or guidance that um, there's so many regular folks from the old dash and splash there it's like having 30 other cold water instructors there just guiding people into the water which is cool and there were some people there for the first time as well and uh, yeah I think we've just found a new format for it which is great and it's going to roll out week on every week not every Sunday for anyone who wants to come along just check out the Dash and Splash page of the Causeway Living website or the Causeway Living Facebook page we'll always have it in the event listings and uh, yeah, we just follow the tide each week and it's great to have it back, especially as lots of people were starting, I think, to feel 
very isolated you know over the the whole lockdown people must have missed it i mean a lot of people found their own way to get into the cold during the during the whole lockdown and with missing dash and splash the thing actually grown what i found particularly difficult and i i didn't realize how much i would miss the water was whenever um water sports were not really permitted and that was what some six to eight weeks actually it was longer than that um i couldn't actually get into water unless you you know lived by the water people were encouraged not to travel to water and were encouraged to obviously stay away from water because rescue services were busy with other more pressing things and um i found that particularly challenging so i went and i got into the habit to have a really really cold shower first thing in the morning but also i've realized that i actually missed the the movement actually swimming and I never really for the two years when I was doing dash and splash with you um I actually never really like swam properly it was just like you know paddle around a little bit um a few strokes here a few strokes there but then I realized I actually really missed the movement so actually the pandemic forced me to start swimming and now I actually started distance swimming properly I absolutely love it but I noticed that a lot of people started getting into the water I think it was because we had particularly good summer. A lot, it really got a lot of people into the water as soon as it was permitted. Again, so many people. Like any time I go to anywhere, be it Helen's Bay, be it, uh, be it Brompton, be it anywhere, um, uh, Blue Lock uh, in the morns, um, you know, there's always somebody else in the water, getting out of the water, getting into the water. People are swimming everywhere now, which is great to see. And it's also for safety. I mean, uh, a lot of the time I would go and stop at Helen's Bay on my way to work. And I never worry that I'm on my own because I know there are going to be other people around, um, which is great. Really good to see. It's funny. It's like the most simple reverse psychology. You just get the government to say, you can't do this. And now everyone's doing it. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Don't go into the water. <laughs> I'll show them. <laughs> I should have said that from the start. Dash and Splash exclusive. You're not allowed to come. <laughs> so, no, it's really good to see. And like, um, especially over this time of the pandemic where so many people like, you know, had family members get sick and all the rest of it and maybe had other issues around like finances and everything that... I mean, there's still a lot of positives that have come out of this time that people have probably reoriented their priorities to time spent with, you know, realizing how important time with loved ones is, uh, time out in nature, how important that is. Um, looking after their baseline health so that they're not susceptible to viruses and illnesses through simple lifestyle factors like i can't i don't even know what the the stats were but um people who this bmi put them at um, obese were like so much more likely to be put in intensive care if they you know got the um covid19 where a lot of that is preventable through lifestyle factors and not necessarily like just diet and exercise because I do feel like weight issues are more than simply like 
choosing the right foods and moving those are like the kind of symptoms of like a like no one wants to be obese no like people end up there through something going on psychologically that makes them choose to be inactive and overeat but you know work like the one-to-one stuff or you know some of the other workshops that i offer uh the online course especially as well actually it would be interesting to talk about related to the the pandemic and um can help people maybe resolve some of the underlying stuff that um can help put their body into a state where they're more resilient to to other like things like virus even like the flu and stuff like no one no one really wants to be susceptible like every time the flu comes around thinking they might end up with pneumonia or something so i think that's been a good thing ultimately from the the pandemic trying to look at the bright side of it that like people are taking their health more seriously realizing the importance of like human connection and time spent out in nature and for me personally like i don't know if i've ever felt as healthy or good in myself i'm always very cautious of saying that because i know some people have gone through like the worst time of their life over the last six months but um there are plenty of individual stories of people doing really well through it as well no i feel i feel the same i the opportunity um i I had to spend so much time outdoors and that's actually another thing i've i don't know whether you heard there's been quite a few studies done um on vitamin d and the connection of um lack of vitamin d and more susceptibility to viruses like covid and obviously it, it it seems to be increasing the severity of the symptoms as well um if somebody's uh, vitamin d deficient um there's been quite a few studies done on that and um, it seems and that just shows you how important it is to spend time outdoors and and spend time in nature and if obviously you live in climate like this to just simply supplement vitamin c vitamin d over the um over the uh, winter months um but but yeah it's just spending time outdoors it's just like psychologically just the connection with nature being outdoor doing stuff outdoor getting active outside getting the fresh air it's um yeah it's it's been great (laughs) there's a lot of good studies on that and the nervous system as well um i remember reading one uh that i think it was only five minutes time spent looking at green space had an impact on down regulating from a sympathetic fight or flight state to a parasympathetic rest and digest state and it's kind of like no wonder as well like almost everything that i teach to relates in some way to getting in alignment with what we've evolved for like i feel like if you put in the 21st century we're kind of born as square pegs trying fit into a 21st century round hole and it just doesn't really work but if you can like take square peg and put it into a square hole where you know you have people outdoors and eating the stuff that we've evolved to eat and um being in you know close community groups like we would have evolved to have been um like in our little tribes sleeping at the you know in alignment with like the sun rising and falling and depending on your your chronotype and uh and alignment 
with uh, breathing properly as well you know so many people we talked about this before the podcast like breathing through their mouth whenever that's not really what how we've evolved to breathe either um i think getting people into alignment with what we've evolved for is uh is a simple thing but not easy because in the 21st century like um related to the cold as well um you know we can always be in central heating environments now we never have to be cold and like that's not what we evolved for either we've evolved to like experience different temperatures and i think when we're removed from our nature and nature um it's probably no surprise that people are sick and unhappy and um yeah it's a big part of of what i'm trying to do as well (laughs) yeah talking about central heat central heating the winter months are slowly coming there's gonna be fights at home over central heating off or on (laughs) i'm constantly turning it off while my partner for some reason he just loves um to sweat before he goes to bed or something because sometimes I would come home 10 o'clock in the evening you know going to bed the bloody heat is on and I'm sweating and he's just like happy as a lorry <laughs> just <laughs> he just like how can you live in this heat <laughs> it's funny how that can be like quite individual for each person as well I think that's a really important thing to share I know like the podcast is like general health and for every individual it is like quite different as well like some people respond really well to like different temperatures and different sleep cycles and um there are some general things that work for most people but there are like outliers in every (laughs) area like see definitely when i go to sleep i like the room colder so i wouldn't mind like i even as a kid i would have um, fallen asleep even in winter with the window on a latch like just leave some let some cold air in um and i love that and steven knows when the when the windows i was like the windows open <laughs> my head is sore i got a headache i have to close it <laughs> well there's some good science to that as well like going to sleep in a cold room like the the way to best optimize yourself for sleep is to sleep in a cold environment but for you to be warm first like to fall off to sleep your like core body temperature needs to drop by a tiny amount so you're doing the right thing by like having a cold environment to go into maybe there's something between the two of you get warm like your partner but go into a cold room like (laughs) there's something in between that would work yeah i think i might just have to sneakily turn the radiator off in our bedroom without him knowing so he can turn the heat on as much as he likes it will not affect the bedroom i hope he'll never listen to this episode (laughs) but yeah um what else have you been up to during the during the lockdown? So you developed new one-to-one session. You really worked on your health. Yeah, a big part of that was um, I had had the intention to develop an online course for people who didn't live locally and you know wanted to benefit from a lot of the stuff that I would share in a workshop or uh, things that I do for local people. So putting together that online course was really, really good for me, if no one else, just personally, because I took a lot of the things that I'd learned over the last six years or so and created a simple structure out of it. And the, one of the most important things for me is if I was to deliver an online course, it had to be doable, you know, like 
with a lot of online training it can like ask a lot of time for people and it's just not practical for most people in their day-to-day -day lives but um, I put together a program that doesn't actually ask for too much of anyone's time out of the day and then I lived that authentically and, and continue to as best as possible I mean no one's perfect all the time but um, it really focuses on six pillars of health that I took from whenever I studied at the Czech Academy over in England and that's hydration, nutrition, sleeping, breathing, moving and thinking. Those are six things that everyone has to do every day anyway pretty much whether they like it or not. Like you could go more than a day without eating, you could miss a night of sleep but in general everyone drinks, eats, sleeps, breathes, moves and thinks every day. So the course focuses on building positive habits in those six areas and high return on investment of time as well. So for example, the breathing one, um, I include the official Wim Hof method breathing um, YouTube video. That's like a little 10 minute, three rounds of Wim Hof method breathing. And everyone has 10 minutes in the day to, to do that. I think that's maybe on week two and for example around nutrition where it is very individual for each person um, what I get people to do there is simply plan in advance because I think a lot of people's worst food choices are made whenever it's on the spur of the moment or they just don't have something in so they just reach for something convenient but like not great for them. Uh, harder to make the wrong choices if you're doing it a day in advance as well like there's probably very few people that plan ahead like I'm going to eat two pizzas and like a tub of ice cream you know <laughs> but like someone in the height of their depression might actually do that um so yeah like simple high performance habits like that and then getting people to journal the process as well to keep them accountable and yeah it's just been transformative for me the journaling thing's big because um in some of the topics that I get people to journal about, it's, it asks specific questions. It gets you to plan out your day ahead, which is practical, but also reminds you of your bigger picture as to like why you're doing those things. Like, why am I taking 10 minutes to do a breathwork practice? Why am I planning my meals out? And you realize like, okay, it's for some like greater ultimate thing where I'm feeling like healthier and fitter and happier and living my purpose and these are essential steps to get to my bigger picture. If you see your bigger picture yourself being like lean and strong and healthy and happy, things like, you know, eating the two pizzas and a tub of ice cream aren't congruent with that, you know, like the sort of person who is healthy and happy and living their dream isn't regularly choosing to, to eat in that way. The person who is living their dream and feeling awesome isn't going to bed at 2 a.m. and waking up at 6 a.m. The person you know who is living their dream you know they, they stay hydrated and you know they have a regular movement practice and do things like the Wim Hof method and a bit of meditation because it helps them get into the right state to make everything else easier and that's generally the the kind of idea of the course is to offer people the practical things that simple high performance habits that can help someone to change their life but also um, keep them focused on their why for doing so and then each week there's a bit of a 
a seminar that explains the science behind each new thing that I'm introducing. And there's a guided meditation to help people get focused on something that would be meaningful enough to them that it helps them choose to do the, the healthy stuff for themselves. So that's been awesome living that for me and then getting to share it with other people too. And living that over the, the lockdown, really, it's all stuff that I knew, but having it in a structured way um, has helped me stick to it, especially the journaling. It's been just fun watching other people do the same thing and get similar benefits as well. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. And I guess it's really, it's the good thing about stuff like that is that it's flexible once you get into the habit of addressing each aspect of your life and, and address each aspect of your health. It's very easy to find a way that is more effective for you personally because some people might prefer as a form of meditation do maybe 15 minutes yoga practice in the morning um someone might um choose um to have a 20 minute hot bath and just switch off um sometimes my way of relaxing is to lock myself in the kitchen for six hours and cook <laughs> and uh, with nobody allowed in <laughs> Um, and yeah and it changes as well like um, what works for you this week might not work next week uh, but yeah to, I'd, yeah, things like meal planning it's just it's a lifesaver once you get into it's really hard to get into the habit of it but once you crack it um, it's such a lifesaver like time wise as well yeah and that's it a, saves a lot of time in the long run that's one of the big things actually about the course that I tried to implement that you do one high performance habit hypothetically like meal planning but then it also is a synergy because it creates more time for you to like take the 10 minutes to do a breathing practice and then or like do some exercise and then the exercise that you're doing makes you feel tired earlier so you can get better sleep and then with that better sleep you know like they all tie into each other as well people who are who have not slept as well um hormonally will make worse food choices and then you know like every one of these things like interplays with each other so there's like a real synergy between every week and I actually cover that in the seminar from each week as I transition from one week into the next I don't just talk about the thing for that week I talk about how it connects to the previous week's thing and just builds up week on week until by the end of it um you know you've got you've built up like six small habits that really it sounds like uh hyperbole to say it but like they are literally life-changing if you stick to it and that's where the journaling part comes in really helpful and to your point as well like what i really hope that people do after the end of those six weeks is take everything they've learned and really like apply it to their own life so for example around breathing you might have the Wim Hof method practice, but for some people they don't enjoy that type of breathing. So one of the other books that I recommend on the course is The Oxygen Advantage, which we talked about. And for somebody else, they might prefer to take like 10 minutes to do one of the Oxygen Advantage exercises instead. Do you know, I do a combination of that. I kind of take the Wim Hof breathing, the structure of it, but I breathe in and out through my nose. And that really works for me. But that's just, that's sort of something that I got to after pretty much 
two years of doing that and then reading the oxygen advantage and then figuring out what actually really works for me personally and that's great because it's um and it's, you know I, I actually find it not anymore but I used to find it really hard to figure out what works for me personally but that goes back to listening to your own body learning to tune in let go of all the external triggers and learning to tune in turn inside your own body and um, really observing what's going on that's really hard <laughs> it's because it's trained out of us <laughs> like kind of like we talked about a bit about earlier like you learn to do the thing for acceptance rather than listening to yourself because it was essential when we were growing up um, but it doesn't really serve that well in adulthood and you know like loads of people have talked about this sort of thing in different ways like um, I remember Carl Jung like really hones in on uh, this idea of individuation where um, as a, a child you start off like the ultimate selfish individual like as a baby you know like you you scream when you demand food and like because you can't do anything else you're completely dependent so you're, you're the ultimate selfish self as a baby and then you get that like trained out of you you become enculturated you know you learn like oh say please and say thank you and like be polite and don't shout and sit down and be quiet <laughs> <laughs> all these things that you kind of learn to then um just become part of like the uh, the group you lose your individuality almost and then the almost the purpose of a lifetime is a process of individuation where you go from the the group think person who doesn't really have any sense of themselves to rediscover who you, you really are and like that's like the hero's journey that, that's talked about often in, in um, like Joseph Campbell's work as well like have to choose some difficult things to to start to figure out who you are as an individual and no one well beware of anyone who tells you that it's going to be easy it's going to be really hard but ultimately it's really worthwhile and I think choosing not to go on that journey is even worse because like we also talked about there will be like resistance from your body even you know if you try and deny your I almost hate to use the word fate but like if you deny your like your authentic expression um for example like anger not not outwardly expressed you know it just won't disappear it'll be internalized and you know go back in on yourself and no wonder people who who have a hard time expressing anger end up physically sick so um yeah for someone who had a hard time expressing anger that might be part of their journey to to go out and do that in the world but um yeah you're right it's it's about like listening to yourself that it's not easy um but ultimately very worthwhile and one thing that makes it way easier is connecting with other people who are doing the same thing i don't know if i would have had the guts to have done all the things that i've done in my journey to get my health back and, and start causeway living and uh, be helping other people if it wasn't for other people who were already doing things like that sharing their story and then ultimately meeting people who were doing something similar and encouraging me one of these ideas that i found really helpful was borrowing belief so if i didn't necessarily believe in myself to do something 
someone else believed in me then especially if it was someone I looked up to that you could like borrow that belief to to go on and do it for myself I need to learn from that <laughs> that's a good one that's a big thing that I um, encourage people to do in the the workshops in the Mourn Mountains that I do um, a lot of people come to that pretty scared about getting into one of the rock pools there it's one of the mountain streams where the water could be anywhere I mean in the winter time it would probably be one or two degrees snow melt just coming down from uh, the top of the mountain and uh, a lot of people have limiting beliefs like I don't know if I can do this but because I've literally put probably thousands of people in the cold water now I know that they can physiologically that the only thing that's stopping them is their own you know limiting beliefs and I really try and encourage people to borrow that belief from me and it's not even something like it's my belief in them as a human and their physiology it's not like I believe in you because you know you're the sort of awesome person who's turned up to this workshop there's part of that but there's also a really really basic level of like I believe in you because I know what the human body's capable of and I know physiologically you can do this so there's not even a shred of doubt whenever I'm taking someone to the water it's like okay they're gonna do this and it's definitely gonna be fine and I think that's like a huge transmission to someone like whenever they're walking up like kind of nervous and they can look at me as if like I'm watching them about to like I don't know like write their name down on a piece of paper it's like okay you're gonna do this and it's fine just do it <laughs> uh, that's like that borrowing belief thing so um yeah get find get people around you that are that are confident in you and like it'll it'll change your life that, that was definitely the case for me anyway <laughs> well it paid off and it worked out yeah and dash and splash is another good example of that actually as well like um, when people turn up there and see other people just like walking in no bother and they're like yeah sure just come on like the amount of people that i see maybe not so much nowadays in covid times but like we just like take someone's hand and just kind of walk them into the water yeah it's so helpful like that idea of borrowed belief you know but you know like so many people would start off watching the group going into the water and they would just stand up Yeah. you know and watch for weeks and weeks and then next thing you know in a couple of months maybe you see them coming down into the water with you it's just i think it's it's the kind of group psychology as well you see other people doing that well that must be okay then let's do it it's funny i think like a lot of people do kind of feel like they need that permission or something almost of like other people doing it yeah. so that they can do it themselves that's probably if i'm proud of anything that I've done with Causeway Living it might actually be that that um, I was willing to go and do the things first a lot of the time that I didn't really know other people doing it starting Dash and Splash you know like I was I'm not exactly that one the first sea swimmer in the world the first person getting in the sea but um, for someone to be like doing that and documenting it and putting it online and saying to other people like come and join in um it, i feel like give people the permission it's like well this guy's doing it like i'll go down and and i'll do it as well and actually then oh here there's a group of people doing it like i can just kind of blend in and do it as well <laughs> it feels like a less of a stretch and again it probably comes back to that feeling like i mentioned before um 
sometimes feel like it's part of my journey to do the hard thing that so that other people don't have to they might have other harder things in their life but I can take strides in places that save someone else having to not everyone's going to be like the first person to go out and do something like that and document it but I can be so if not me then who you know it's it's up to me I feel like to do things like that and then it just creates the space and the environment for them to be able to do it in an easier way and get all the same benefits it's good <laughs> and I'm glad Ocean Splash has returned back we're going to join you on Sunday I can't wait <laughs> yeah it's just going to be a bit it's strange that you know like you used to come uh, into the cafe in like a big group for, for a chat over, over a cup of tea and no, it's just not something you can very easily do but I suppose people can still socially distance on the beach with their travel mugs <laughs> yeah I mean that was quite nice last week that like of course the weather was just unbelievable like the sun was shining you were so lucky I'm not sure it's gonna be like that this weekend but we'll see let's <laughs> hope so I don't know I've got a pretty good track record with the action splash so oh, well yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, like people did gather around, and like uh, a lot of the people who come to Dash and Splash have those big, like, dry robes and stuff, so it can wrap up warm on the beach, bring a thermos flask, and yeah, like half the benefit of Dash and Splash, maybe even most of the benefit, isn't necessarily even the like running along the coast or getting into the sea. Those are really awesome things, but just finding a community of like really nice people that um, I couldn't be happier about the sort of people that have been attracted to it it's just so cool how many like friends that I've made there but also like to witness other friendships being made and like seeing people who are best mates because they met at Dash and Splash or some people who are getting married right <laughs> first Dash and Splash marriage there <laughs> last, last week which was really cool so uh, congratulations to Tony and Judith if you listen to this <laughs> but uh, we had our first Dash and Splash wedding which I was very proud to be best man at, which is very <laughs> cool. So let's see, you know, who uh, also singles out there, Dash and Splash dating agency, maybe this is a <laughs> thing that could be done in the future, I don't know. Scott Riley, the matchmaker. <laughs> <laughs> Saying that, like, actually there's a few friends of mine that are, uh, not that I ever contrived it, but, like, had met through, like, Dash and Splash, because I put them in touch, so... Who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe any singles out there, if they're interested, come down to Dash. Oh yeah, I'll here there's again. another couple in making. <laughs> <laughs> the rumors are going round. <laughs> we'll see who I can get paired up there. <laughs> now there are a couple of more things that I would like to briefly talk about. Are we allowed to talk about the book? Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to go into that. Yeah, tell me about the book because I'm, I'm really, um, I'm really chuffed that you're writing a book um you've spent pretty much the whole pandemic researching haven't you yeah well ultimately like putting together the online course was a lot of the research time a lot of what's going to go into a part of the book is was research that i'd done for the online course so um it was all stuff that i knew and had practiced in the past but i wanted obviously if I'm teaching this stuff to have all the facts and the studies there to be able to share and the science in a really clear simple understandable way that you you know that it's possible for anyone to pick up the book without like any lay person not have to feel like it's a heavy science book that it's like understandable relatable interesting 
and um, so all the content that I put together for the online course is going to make up part of the book. The book's going to have two main parts, maybe three, but it's going to start off with just explaining my own personal journey and um, that really was like going through a childhood of suffering from depression and being on and off antidepressants and then in my early 20s getting rheumatoid arthritis and then by the time I got to my late 20s you know being a good 100 pounds heavier seven stone very overweight suffering really severely with the arthritis to ultimately like getting my health back and then sharing some of the stories that were part of that because there's some pretty wild uh, parts of that story like we talked about flying to Peru and being treated by shamans did a two-month juice fast and you know climbed to the top of Mount Schneeska in Poland with Wim Hof in the snow just wearing a pair of shorts and boots um, so some cool stories in that that are interesting apart from anything but also to give a bit of um, credence to the second part of the book that like okay it's maybe worth listening to someone who has got their health back from a really severely bad place and here's the practical things that people can implement um, listed out in the book so I'll definitely be covering like those six pillars of health and things that people can do that offer a high return on their investment of time in terms of habits but also touching on things like community um, managing stress uh, finding purpose and meaning as the thing that provides a good reason for doing all of those things in the first place so the book will be half story and, and half practical um, tips that people can implement in their life that means that they don't have to hopefully learn in the same hard way they don't have to do two months just fat just fast or fly to Peru or any of that crazy stuff that they can you know do a bit of meal planning do a simple breathwork practice if they wanted to go deeper you know like invest in some one-to-one -one work where they're actually starting to get more in touch with um what their body's communicating to them and and where that's leading to them leading them to and uh, yeah i'm really excited so i had an intention to to have the book done by september and one the online course drew out longer uh to the uh I just felt like the right thing to do to to prioritize the one-to-one -one work but it's still absolutely my intention to have the book at least fully written this year and um, whether that means it'll be released this year or not I don't know but um, yeah I guess it'll be a case of hitting up publishers I may self-publish as well um, so if anyone from Penguin Books is listening to this, <laughs> it'd be nice if you get in touch and say I like that story <laughs> you're in <laughs> So yeah, I'm excited, but uh, yeah, it's still very much work in progress. Um, it's not I'm not where I would have liked to have been at with it by now, but also that that's okay. That so many other things have happened in the meantime that I wouldn't have changed. And kind of like I'm always adding to my story as I'm living. <laughs> so that's like going to be a new part of the story. The book's gonna be bigger and bigger by week. <laughs> no, I just gotta I gotta get it out there before I live more stuff. <laughs> so yeah, that's gonna come soon. Great. That's great news. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. I've actually really gotten into habit now um, of reading again, which is great, although I'm struggling finding the time. But I've um, 
I used to enjoy reading a lot of fiction and in the past few years I've kind of transitioned from um, fiction through to obviously university books and now I pretty much all I read or most of the stuff I read um, is non-fiction and it's sort of self-help books and and um, reading books by pro athletes and, and things like that um, so yeah I'm definitely gonna be adding that to my library Um You've also mentioned that um, apart from researching for your book and building your online um, online and your one-to-one sessions, uh, you were doing a lot of cooking. I saw a lot of pretty cool pictures of very good-looking food. Mm. <laughs> What is that all about? Are you turning into Scott Riley, the chef, as well? <laughs> you know what? I've had a few friends on recently and they were impressed enough that I feel like that could be a, a pretty good news thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, Yeah, um, interestingly, like again, around the start of the time of uh, doing the online course and starting to meal plan more, um, one of the things that I found extremely helpful for learning to like new recipes and learning to cook better was, and this is not an advert, I'm not associated with this company anyway, but um, HelloFresh. Okay. Um, they basically, and probably other companies out there that do the same, provide recipes and all the ingredients for specific meals so that like you have everything kind of already measured out you have like a simple thing of like that times it out for you like put in this thing 20 minutes later do this thing 20 minutes later do this thing and um, it took someone like even me like who really like I feel like I lost a lesson in nutrition in some sense because whenever I got my health back I did a really long juice fast which is essentially like a massive shortcut you know like you can't juice fast forever so I managed to like re-establish some good gut health through that but on the other side of it just at like really really simple plain food that probably like wasn't diverse enough to um, have a really good gut biome and I would have just like probably eaten like a lot of chicken and fish and like steamed vegetables and like stir fries but um i know diversity is really really important in diet and another really good thing about a service like HelloFresh is that you know they provide you with like different types of food all the time so whenever it came to like meal planning i figured okay i'll you know i'll sign up to this thing this will be good because it'll help me plan help me start that And then eventually I like quit that service and but have all like the recipes and it's just a case of going and getting the ingredients and cooking and another thing that really really helped with that was a change in my mindset around cooking as well that I realized that it's no real different to any other act of self-care like exercise for example I would think nothing of like going out for 90 minutes on my bike but in the past whenever I was thinking about cooking something it was like an hour and a half you know that's such a waste of time I could do something much quicker but you know again it's a shortcut and there kind of are no shortcuts in life really <laughs> that that 90 minutes invested in like cooking something awesome and then having like some meals prepared then for a few days is equally if not more worthwhile than the 90 minute bike ride or you know whatever other 90 minute self-care practice like going to bed 90 minutes earlier than you otherwise would it's just another one of those things that's worth investing your time in and i, I would probably challenge anyone who 
like myself in the past was committed to physical exercise but really not so much on the nutrition side to start thinking about nutrition in a similar way to their exercise that if you think nothing of investing an hour or 90 minutes into going to the gym really try and get into the same mindset whenever it comes to what you're fueling yourself for and again probably ties back into all the other stuff we talked about like the better you feel yourself the better you can train the faster you can recover and better training means better sleep and you know one ties into the other where it builds up to it's kind of like a snowball effect as well you know you do one good thing that leads to another good thing and it's exponential it's not like this linear like progressive growth because you're doing all these good things that tie into each other you know within a very short space of time like the six week course that I put together you could be feeling like a completely different person in less than a couple of months so um, yeah that's a that's been a big thing for me this year and just one of the awesome things over lockdown that we kind of talked about it's awkward sometimes to mention like how many good things that there have been over the lockdown and during the pandemic but that's definitely been one really good thing (laughs) pretty cool so i guess you're gonna share with me some really nice recipe today oh yeah for sure yeah (laughs) so is 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 your favorite veg still the same two years ago it was well over two years ago it was broccoli are you still sticking with broccoli or has it changed no for sure like um like I made a pretty mean butternut squash curry last night. So Look at that! It's pretty simple. Like I mean, just um, you know, getting squash and chopping it up into little like cubes, basically, um, sticking that in the oven, and then frying up some onions, adding some garlic and tomato puree and like curry powder and spices. Um, adding some water and stock to that after a while and sticking in some green beans as well and then covering it over and letting like the green beans cook in that and then adding the uh, the squash whenever it's done and mixing it all in doing some rice with it it's pretty simple to be honest but sounds awesome. pretty delicious it's pretty good to be honest yeah I'll have to make that sometime for the next podcast very <laughs> nice very nice yeah can so. you write it up for me so I can share it with our listeners because that sounds so pre- pretty pretty simple pretty tasty. I love squash <laughs> really really good the only thing that takes that I've noticed really like since starting to invest more time in in the kitchen is like the only thing that really takes any time is just preparing the food and you know like and again the thing that helped me with that is just changing my mindset around it like this is just part of the process this is time invested in my self-care and you know like stick on an audiobook or something you know at the same time as you're like podcast. chopping <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> or a certain podcast you might want to listen to so uh yeah no it's been really good i'm super happy to share that <laughs> that's pretty cool and you know what um it's actually batch cooking is one of the best things ever because if you're gonna spend an hour an hour and a half in the kitchen making yourself really nice fresh dinner you may as well just make a big batch and stick it in the freezer and then you have meals good homemade nutritious meal ready anytime you need it it's just it makes sense i mean if you're gonna invest the time invest it wisely definitely so uh yeah that's been a a huge plus over the lockdown for me and and just getting deeper into all the other things like that's one area that i've probably made a big step forward in in terms of growth 
but you know I've just been more consistent with meditation and I was always pretty consistent with the breath work anyway but meditation's probably been one of the biggest areas as well probably connected to the kind of one-to-one work that we just went through a session I would do something similar for myself it's a lot harder to get to the same level of depth on your own but um, my morning practice would be doing something similar to Wim Hof method breathing spending about 10 minutes or so just in silent meditation so witnessing the breath and whenever thoughts come up just realizing whenever I'm caught in that and coming back to the breath and then on the other side of that actually like visualization as well so um, that would be kind of similar to the journaling practice like having a visualization experience of where I wanted to move towards the direction that I wanted to move in and not even just visualizing somebody actually recently used the term visceralization which I thought was really good so like a a feeling of visualization and um, you know I'll imagine myself as in the lived experience of the the future I want to be in and uh, been cool seeing that like happen you know in the the months that I've been doing this practice of breathwork meditation visualization and uh yeah I've probably grown more in the last three or four months I can think of in any other short period of time other than perhaps going out to Peru uh it's been such a worthwhile thing for me doing that practice you know receiving my own coaching as well and um yeah really exciting to be sharing that with other people now as well it's great to to see that uh, this crazy year has actually brought so many positives for you. And I'm sure there are so many people out there who actually, you know, got a bunch of lemons made of lemonade. So, yeah, no, it, it's great to see. Um, and it's really uh, going back to um, how we met um, over two years ago. It's great to see that this whole craziness actually brought more people out into the water. Um, and hopefully... Somebody will listen to it and maybe join us in Dash and Splash over the next few weeks. Let's hope so. Yeah, the bigger the... Well, I was going to say the bigger the better, but uh, we might have to move it to Crawfordsburn if there's like a thousand people turn up. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. But hopefully with the, the new structure, I think we're going to be good down at the little beach and picky. And yeah, everyone's welcome. Anyone listening to this, come join us and uh, look forward to seeing them some Sunday soon. <laughs> Amazing. See you out there. If you'd like to join Dash and Splash in Bangor in its new social distancing format, um, you can go to Team Dash and Splash or Causeway Living on Facebook to find the weekly Sunday times. And as Scott mentioned, the time changes according to the tide. So um, if you do want to join, it is quite important to check every week. By the way, full disclosure, this podcast has been recorded in compliance with the social distancing measures, um, just so you know. If you're not on Facebook, um, go to www.causewayliving.com slash dash dash splash. <laughs> so the second word dash is not actually a word, it's the actual dash symbol. Just so you know, I know it's confusing. But, but anyway, if you just go to Scott's website, causewayliving.com and search for dash and splash, you'll find it. Um, you'll also find all information about Scott on this, on on his website um, about his workshops, coaching and events. 
And as a side note, you can tell Scott used to make his living as a graphic designer. Um, I really love the simple, smart and beautiful branding and the website is so easy to navigate. Also worth mentioning, Scott has launched his own podcast and the link to his pilot episode with Tony Floreal is on his website also. Just click on the online tab at the top of the page. I can't believe we actually never even mentioned the podcast um, during our chat, but it's actually Scott's own fault because um, he just sent me off to a fairyland first during that meditation. So um, yeah, it, it was pretty impossible to try and have a sensible conversation after. Um, so that uh, reminds me, I actually feel like I have to apologize a little bit for the interview because I was completely spaced out after the breathwork meditation session. Um, luckily for me and for you, um, Scott is a master at talking about his work and I think he managed to get across all the important points that I would have asked about had my brain been cooperating. But I'm mentioning it now, so hopefully he'll forgive me. Um, a little bit about the session and bear in mind that this is my experience I'm talking about. Everyone's different and my experience would not be your experience. And I'm also pretty sure that my next experience, if I was to do another one, would differ from this one. Uh, but anyway, to give you an idea, um, I was a little bit worried about the session to begin with. Um, I wasn't sure what to expect and having known Scott a little by now, um, we are not complete strangers. My worry was that some things could resurface during the meditation that I'd rather not talk about um, or not mention to someone I know. Um, it's just the whole control freak thing. Um, and um, so I was afraid a little that I would lose the maybe benefits of the meditation by desperately trying to control the experience and suppress the things that I didn't like to resurface. But actually, to my surprise, I did not try to control anything and I didn't have to because it just, it all felt quite natural to let go, which to somebody who's trying to control everything all the time um it's normally not easy but it's um maybe because i i practice breathwork meditations every day um maybe it finally has taken an effect or maybe it it has been affected for some uh, for some time and i just never noticed but it's a great verification of that um and what was really surprising to me was that while in my teenage years and right up to my late 20s I used to be the very embodiment of pessimism and negative thinking someone whose glass was always half empty and um, now I've dealt with my past traumas and experiences and as it turns out I've um, I have a sun shining in my head Um that was quite surprising revelation to me Um so yeah, that's that's the best and most positive outcome I could have hoped for, knowing that my ways of thinking, uh, perceiving, experiencing and connecting with life, with the world and with myself have completely turned around. Um, and for me, it really is almost like a verification that 
I've been doing something right in the past decade of my life and all the the work, the the spending time outdoors and the, the breathwork sessions that I religiously do every morning um, really do work. Um, and why this session with Scott, it's absolutely not a therapy, but it did feel to me like a therapeutical meditation where you get the opportunity to connect with yourself, to your memories through present experiences within your own body. Um, you learn to observe your physical and emotional feelings without judgment or attachment, simply to make lost connections. And I really enjoyed the experience and learned from it. But um, what I would say is, I do think that booking a block of sessions for proper guidance is a good idea. Um, to me, this has been a valuable experience, but I felt a bit spaced out and like walking on clouds almost. Um, and I felt like that for days. Um, so having more than one session and proper guidance will help you get more grounded within those experiences you may have after the session, not just on the day, but on the days following that. And I certainly feel like I could benefit from another couple of sessions myself. Um, which I will probably book um, within the next few weeks um, because yes as I said um, one off session is great but especially if you're not used to uh, this sort of meditation um, or if you don't meditate at all um, this could maybe freak somebody out I don't want to put anybody off I think it's a fantastic experience and I, I think it's a very valuable experience and it's really helpful um, to use that to make the lost connections with with yourself but I do think that one of one off session is probably not the way to go with this and if you are thinking about giving this one-to-one -one coached meditation work with Scott a go and if you're not used to experiences similar to this um, even more so um, and I have to say big thank you to Scott for offering guidance and support days after our session I'm not sure if he knows how much I appreciate it so thank you Scott it was really great to have that extra support and guidance um, now if you do book um, a session or a block of these I recommend that you do not plan anything that requires you to focus and think afterwards because your brain may not be up to it planning things like presentations seminars public talks or study sessions on the same day after such um such experience is not a good idea um i was pretty useless all afternoon after that i can tell you that much on the other hand if you are doing something that requires your full focus and attention and you need to be on the ball sharp and ready I do highly recommend a cold shower in the morning or even better, an open cold water dip. Uh, my morning swims or showers really wake me up and help me clear my mind and help me focus and I do feel a lot more productive. Um, saying that, we are all different and what works for me and all that, uh, but I do, um, I dare you try it. Uh, the cold is your friend, you might just not know it yet. 
give it a try. If you liked the sound of Scott's HelloFresh-inspired simple squash curry, you can find the full recipe on our social media. And best way to get it is from the file section on our Facebook group page, where you can download it in PDF format, along with all the other recipes up to date. And if you're not on Facebook, um, you can find it on Instagram. And if you're not on Instagram either, the recipe is very simple. All you need is uh, butternut squash, obviously, um, some olive oil, some salt and pepper, um, onion, some garlic cloves, green beans, tomato puree and curry powder, veggie stock and some cream. And if you're vegan, you can get plant-based cream or I would probably use some melted creamed coconut or even coconut milk and add some raw apple cider vinegar or lemon to it or both um, to make it sour. Um, if you want to serve it with grains, you'll need some of those, brown rice, quinoa or whatever takes your fancy. And then it, it really is simple. You just cut the squash, um, you remove the seeds and chop it into bite-sized cubes and then roast it on a baking tray with a little olive oil and some seasoning. Um, while it's roasting, you heat some olive oil in a pan and um, you can use any other oil. You can use avocado oil, you can use coconut oil. Um, and then you saute a finely chopped onion and when it's soft, you add the um, some of the garlic, um, mince it first, um, then add tomato puree and the curry powder. Um, as much curry powder as you like. I mean, don't be adding half a cup of curry powder, but maybe a couple of tablespoons. Um, or one tablespoon, or you know, you, you know what your taste buds are like. Um, I prefer less um, spicy. Um, somebody might like really spicy powder. Bear in mind, there is different versions of curry powder you can buy. You can also make your own. And then you saute uh, the onion for another minute or so, just so it absorbs the curry flavor. Then you pour in your stock. Now you can use homemade stock or you can use stock cubes um if you are using stock cubes um you should have um guidance on the packet as to how much water per cube um and how much stock you use is going to depend on the consistency you like if you want it more creamy and more on the heavy side add a little at first and then add more later if you want to thin it down um, once your stock is in, you add the chopped green beans and cook the whole thing for a few minutes until the beans are soft. I would do no more than maybe six minutes or so. You can go seven and eight, depending. Just make sure you don't overcook it. Your beans should be nice, bright, um, bright green. If they turn too dark, you've done it too much. Um, and then... When your beans are done, you add the cream and roasted squash and bring it all to boil. And once it's boiling, you turn the heat off and season according to taste and that's it done. If it's too heavy, then you can use more stock to thin it down. Um, if you're making grains, you can put them in a bowl and top them with a good serving of the curry and enjoy. It probably sounds more complicated than it is. Um, I think it's pretty simple. And I'm going to make it this weekend because it sounds delicious. Um, now, if you like this podcast, 
please leave us a review or rating on whichever platform you use to listen to us. We do need those stars. I mean, we really do need those stars and reviews um, just to help us get in front of as many relevant ears as possible. And there is so much content out there in the wide and wild world of the internet. And honest reviews help listeners navigate through the jungle of it all to find and select quality content they are actually interested in. And it helps us content makers to get matched with the right audience and get feedback from those who matter to us the most. And that in turn helps us improve our work to give you as quality content as we possibly can. So please, please do take a minute or two to write us a review. It's more helpful than you can imagine. So thank you all who have already left us a few stars and a few lines. I really do appreciate it and it really does make a difference. And also... Before I go today, I'd like to congratulate Mr. and Mrs. Floreal on their wedding, marking the first Dash and Splash marriage um, that Scott talked about. So congratulations, guys. Um, if you remember, I did an episode with Tony. It's episode 37, if you'd like to go back and tune in. Um, Tony is now living in Northern Ireland, of course. So I'm pretty sure that very soon uh, you might be able to book um, a session with him um, to use his magic flow machine. <laughs> it's not called that, but, you know, I like calling it that because it's fun. Uh, um, also, a big congrats to Mercury Fitness and I for winning the Irish Fitness Industry Award for a bootcamp of the year 2020. If you remember, I had Jason on the podcast where we talked about his bootcamps. Um, it's episode 19, if you'd like to tune in. So Jason, congratulations. Um, it's it's brilliant to be able to talk um, to local providers about uh, their passions and, and their work and then see the success um, they they have with it and, and not in terms of winning winning awards or, or making living but um, actually helping people um, I think that's um, for most of uh, the the people I, I talk to that is what would um, classify as success is actually seeing the the brilliant results um, they have with their clients um, and that goes, of course, for um, Scott as well. I'm, I'm so glad we did the meditation and we, we had this chat. So, um, yes, and on that note, have a lovely couple of weeks. Remember to breathe, um, try some meditation or cold shower or both. And if you're about for Dash and Splash, I might see you out there. And whatever you do, Stay healthy. Until next time. As every week, your host is myself, Susanna from The Sweet Spot. Music by Mark J. Adair and artwork by Gemma O'Hagan. Thank you for listening. Thank you.